This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the final episode in this run of The Palace Years. We'll be discussing the season just gone at the time of recording, the 18-19 season. Uh, and we will go over such beauties as our 3-2 win over Man City, that win over Arsenal and doing the double again over Leicester. Back of the nest, the Palace years. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, joining me for this final episode of this series, I don't know if we're going to have another series next summer. Um, I don't know if anyone's memories go far back enough to do the 2000 to 2009 era, um, or if we've got enough people at back of the nest old enough to remember any of those. Um, I guess Hambo and Patrick could do them all themselves. Um, but yeah, so this is the final episode of this lot. Um, it was an idea of mine when I was a bit pissed. I uh, suggested it to the others a few months back and everyone's like, yeah, that's, that's great. It's actually been um, a fuck ton of work. Um, so I'm not sure if we're going to go back and do it again, but um, I hope people have been enjoying it. Um, this last one probably be quite fresh in your memories as it was only the season just gone at the time of recording. So uh, joining me to discuss things that hopefully are still fresh in their minds as well are Chris. How you doing? Very well, comrade. And you? Uh, I'm not bad at all. Uh, bit of a cold, so if I sound dodgy, uh, apologies. Dodgier than usual anyway. Uh, and also, Sai, how you doing? Good, thanks, mate. You? Other than the cold? Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm doing absolutely great, uh, and I'm hoping a hosting it will help me along. Uh, so, a couple of points. Um, I know in the past, in episodes, we've uh, brought up things where people have called us out on errors we made. I'm going to call myself out on an error, because um, I said in the Allardyce season that that was the only season that we weren't in the relegation zone, not realising that we actually managed to do that last season. Um, so, the 18-19 season, we never... We never made it into the bottom three, um, although it seems like uh, we did for a lot of us. Uh, and that's only probably because there were some terrible, terrible teams in the Premier League for that season. Um, so, you probably know the drill by now if you've been listening to the others. Um, we start with the ins and outs. Um, and obviously, in recent times, at the time of recording, um, 
transfers in have been a little smaller in length than they were when we started off this season. Uh, but we'll go over the people that came in. Um, the big one, uh, Kuarte came in, I think towards the end of the window, if I remember rightly. Uh, gents, what's your memories of uh, hearing that Kuarte was over from West Ham? I was really pleased. I, I thought it was another sort of Tompkins episode of them letting a the player go very cheaply, actually. It was it was, a, it was a great price for us and he's been a great player and he hasn't disappointed. And I, I think he hasn't played as much of a part as I think he could have done in some of the games. But I definitely think he'll be playing a lot more this season at the time of recording. When he signed, I was not hugely excited. I mean, he, I just viewed him as a you know classic West Ham reject type of player. Um, but and it, and I mean that first game that he played at the in the preseason friendly, he misplaced passes. He looked quite lumbering and slow. I was worried we'd been sold a pup, but actually, I think he's you know entirely vindicated uh, Roy's decision to sign him because at such a price as well. I think he's been immense for us, and I think you know he'll be an absolutely core member of our first team in the coming season. I damn well hope so. While you're both saying that, I was just ruminating about the fact that nobody did call me up on that error I made. Um, it makes me worry that no one's listened to these pods. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I hope you are, uh, and I apologise, and I hope there's no, uh, there's no dodgy information, faulty information in this episode. But yeah, quite right on Coate. I mean, um, he was slowly, slowly put into the team. I think partly because he had, um, he wasn't quite fit enough to be starting, or you know, that's what Hodgson came out with. Uh, and partly because he uh, was hugely in love, and probably still is hugely in love with Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, so I'm just going to go through uh, the list as as they come. Some of these came in um, various points in the season. Some of them came in January. Uh, Guaita, Vincent Guaita, um, actually was discussed well before the start of the window. Um, and there was sort of, I, I remember there, there was various worries that he wouldn't end up coming. Um, but it was several months before the uh, the start of the transfer window that there was talk that he'd already signed a, a pre-sort of signing agreement. Um, and if you are a regular listener of uh, Back of the Nest and have been for some time, you'll know that some of us are not the biggest fans of Wayne Hennessy. So... Uh, when Gaita came in, uh, I think, to be honest, he didn't need to do a lot to become a fan favourite, uh, certainly with us and probably with the majority of the Selhurst crowd. Um, but saying that, he's been he's been excellent. And I think he slides under the radar for a, a lot of uh, supporters from other clubs. What do you think, gents? Absolutely. I think he, you know, signing of the season for me, actually, look at all of them uh, that season. I, I think you look at the stats. Really? It's signing of the season, you reckon? I reckon so. I mean, obviously, you've got, you've got up there with Cheka Kiarte and then potentially Batshuayi, but for me, I think he he, he was signing the season. So if you think about it, how shaky the defence were with Hennessy behind them uh, at the beginning of the season, because he didn't start straight away, did he? And I think Hodgson stuck with Hennessy. And I, and I just think since White came in, I think it was, it was his first full game, the Leicester game at the, um, at, at the home game. But when he came in at that point, just everyone instantly turned into being a lot more confident and, and, and secure at the back. So I think without him, I think we'd have had more of a difficult season. So And plus, he was Spain's best goalkeeper the season before we signed him uh, on a free. So, yeah, great signing, I think. Yeah, complete no-brainer to um, to sign him. I can understand. I mean, Roy, and I think this is going to become a theme in this podcast, Roy is quite stubborn and quite loyal. And, you know, hence the reluctance to drop a player who hadn't 
made a specific recent error, um, despite uh, having provided considerable evidence of an ability to make a significant and game-changing error uh, on more than one occasion. Um, and yeah, Guaita has obviously made a massive difference. It was a position that we needed to make a change in for probably two years. Um, and, you know, finally we did make the change and it was the right change. And, you know, I'm you know delighted to have him here and hope that he stays for a good long time. Although I fear at some stage he'll get nicked from under our noses. Well, I mean, that's why I wanted to, to say that I think he's gone under the radar with a lot of other fans. There was a, there was a, a meme quite recently where someone had done the sort of the pyramid like everyone does with chocolate bars, you know, the best to worst and inexplicably bounty comes higher than it should. But um, Gaita was uh, right at the bottom um, and, there, you know, there wasn't too many people other than the odd um, descending Palace fan uh, arguing with it either. Uh, you're quite right, so si. it, it was... Um, it was the Leicester game in December, so um, he actually. It was a lot later into the season than than I remember. As with many of these things, I've, I've rewritten history in my head. Um, Guaita played played a lot less games in the season than I thought. Um, it's interesting that uh, the form for the second half of the season improved immensely after he turned up. I think a lot of that's to do with Batshuayi personally, uh, in that we just weren't putting the ball in the net before then, but. Um, happy coincidence nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, fine signing and they're on a free as well. Um, someone you didn't mention in your list, though, uh, Max Meyer. That's why I was a bit surprised when you said that um, Guaita was your, your favourite signing for the season. Um, big things were expected of him. Uh, free transfer over from Schalke. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend that I knew a great deal about him beforehand, but um, sometimes you do have to to go on what people say and the odd YouTube video and watching the reels and stuff. I mean, we did that for so lot, I suppose. But um, yeah, it, 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 we knew that we needed a, a creative midfield player. Um, and he, like Geiter, didn't exactly find his way into the first team too early. Uh, but as the season's progressed, he, he, he certainly started to show more about what he's worth. And I think... Um, pre-season for 1920s looked pretty pretty special as well. Um, I think the same as Kuwate, the best is yet to come from him. I think that's the absolutely core um, point there, Mike, is that we really didn't see the best of what Max had to offer that season. I mean, yeah, he's he's made a handful of appearances. They've really not been you know, opportunities. It's been either, you know, substitute appearances or a half here, a half there. It's not been um, full 90 minutes. And I, I don't know whether that's, you know, that he he just simply hasn't been trusted by Roy. Um, I mean, you can't really argue with the fact that, um, you know, I mean, uh, spoiler alert, we don't go down this season um, that we're reviewing at the moment. Um, you know, uh, vindicates again his you know, the selections that he's made and the, you know, rather conservative uh, selections that he's made. Um, I think a lot of us wanted to see more of Max and, you know, believed that, you know, he's ready, although, you know, he hasn't always taken those opportunities in the season that we're about to, re you know, review in full. So, you know, great player, really excited to see him sign, but we we haven't seen the best of him yet. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I think we definitely haven't seen the best of him. I think he was criminally underutilised this season. And, and I think some of the times we did see him, he showed what he could do. But he wasn't popular with everyone in the fan base. I remember I got into an argument, maybe it was about sort of January time, with a, 
um, Fellow Palace fan on social media who said he was a glorified Barry Bannon. So I know a lot of people weren't weren't mega impressed with him, and and, and there was a lot of stick he got. So I'm hoping this season he gets uh, the, the nineteen twenty season he gets a good start, run and start in the team and proves a few people I, wrong. I think I've heard people on podcasts discuss him as a glorified Barry Bannon. Um, <laughs> I uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, nothing wrong with Barry Bannon in fairness, but um, yeah, I think the interesting thing is that. For a long time, nobody, and we can say it's Hodgson, but nobody quite knew what his, what his best role was. And I'll, I'll go over a story on that in a sec. But I just wanted to say, I'm not surprised to find they actually played 29 games in the Premier League. I, I'd love to see how many of those were uh, starts or how many total minutes, because I'm sure it'll only add up to half that. Um, you know, he was the classic 75-minute sub, and, and this was uh, another season where Palace fans were mocking Hodgson for making the... the the 75 minute sub and yeah he tended to be that person and didn't have a great deal of time um to make his impact on a lot of games where I feel like he could have done um but you've got to play a formation that suits that kind of player um and I think probably the most interesting thing I heard this season was Kevin Day um he was he was on he was on the FYP uh, podcast uh, and he said he'd had a, a decent chat with Hodgson uh, like a, a dinner do or something and he'd asked him about Max and he said you know he's going to go on this season we're definitely not getting rid of him that kind of stuff um, which was great to hear at the time because you know they, we weren't safe uh, in the 18-19 season at that point so it was it was good to hear that we'd have, still have him in the armoury for this season as well um, but he said that Max chooses he wants to play um, on the left side of midfield um, whether that means sort of left of a four or, or left of left of centre in a four. Um, because a lot of people said throughout the season that they, they thought he was wasted playing over on the side. So um, perhaps perhaps we, we don't quite understand Max Mayer yet. Um, and I, I hope this season, 1920, um, we'll, we'll really understand him and where he fits in the team. Because he's certainly in pre-season looked like he's... He's really going to make his mark. But let's not wax lyrical too long about him because we could go on all day. Okay, and the next signing we got was a loan signing, Jordan Ayew, um from Swansea. Now, he'd scored against us the previous season. Um, I don't know how much that had to do with the loan signing. Um, he seems seemed like it was a pretty decent addition, uh, although fairly uninspiring. Um, and then... Throughout the season, it's fair to say that I was one of the people to make the odd joke about him on Twitter. I, I never got to the point where I wanted to abuse him or anything like that. He's a loan signing. Uh, and he's now with us. Over two and a half million. Absolute bargain. Um, and there was the odd game where he was great. There was there was one particular game with without Wilf um, because we got rid of the bogey, uh, the bogey man that was not winning without Wilf, uh, where he had a, a, a great time of it. Um, but he had an up and down season uh, and it's fair to say that he got a fair bit of stick. That's certainly true. I mean, as a club, we love a trier and I think that's something that you certainly couldn't say um, Jordan I was failing to do. You know, there were lots of things that weren't quite right about you know the way we were set up, but ultimately a lot of the issues there were to do with the system rather than necessarily the quality of the player. And he definitely, I mean, you know, th- there'll be, you know, there was the moment when he scored, um, finally scored away at Wolves. And, you know, 
any player, I think we've said this before, any player who cries when he scores for the club is a player who's welcome at the club. And you know, I, I think he's got a, a decent future for us as you know an adaptable player who can do a, a lot of different tasks. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really really pleased that he's still here. And you know, I mean, I, I understand why people weren't delighted um, when he signed because it's the same discussion you always have about okay, so this player's joined, but and they might well be a good player, but they were a good player in a bad team at the club they've just got relegated with, what's to say they're not going to now take us down as well? I think you're right, Chris. I think there was a bit of concern about... I think he'd been relegated at every club he'd been at for, for the last few seasons and people were concerned about that. I think, for me, he's described, even on the Transfers In websites for that season, as a centre-forward. And I'm still not convinced he's a centre-forward. I think he's a winger. I just, I just Watching him play that season, he just he didn't strike me as a as a centre-forward or, or maybe he needs to play as a part of a two. But I definitely think he's more of a winger and that 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 wall, the game away at Wolves, he did play more at that side, and I, you know no one could be more pleased for for him than I was when he scored, despite me chanting for him to be substituted for the previous ten minutes. But uh, yeah, I think he's a good addition. I think for a steal this season, uh, for the nineteen twenty season, he'll be great as well. That's a couple of great points there from you both. Um, he certainly was um, in a position that was clearly quite alien to him, uh, as many people brought up on Twitter um, to back him up when people were slagging him off. Uh, and when he was replacing Wilf, um, who, you know, sort of merged between left wing and, and forwards, drifting behind Ben Teke or whatever he was doing for a particular game, um, you know, I slotted into that quite nicely. So um, if he's been purchased uh, with a view to playing down the left, I think it'd be fine up front occasionally. I think it'd be fine. Um, there was that purple patch where he scored, I think, t- like two in three games or something like that. Um I'm not actually sure if he scored any other goals, um, but that'll do. That'll do. Um, it's more than Ben Uh So uh, Lucas Perry came in on loan. Uh, didn't do a great deal for the club. Um, I, I think he was in a fairly thank, thankless position, uh, mainly covering the fact that we didn't have enough keepers at the time. Um, at, at some point in the season, um, towards the end, I think the towards the end of the January transfer window, Bakary Sacco came back in from West Brom. Uh, we've mentioned Michy Batswai. We'll go over him a little bit later. Uh, a couple of other smaller ones. Uh, Jordan Much went on loan to Vancouver, uh, and there was much rejoicing. Um, Yak Yak went over uh, back to Poland for the first season. Um, to try and do, but uh, yeah, Yak went over to Poland for a season to try and uh, see what he could do. Um, Dion Curtis Henry went over to Maidstone. Uh, surprising how many players we seem to have come and go from Maidstone, but uh, and Ryan Innes went to Dundee. Um, and then the outs will quickly go over. Serlot went again. Um, sadly, Damien Delaney. Uh, finished he was let go and he went to Cork City I think it's worth having a word about uh, worth having a word about Damo he wants to start on that certainly sad it was really sad to see him go and I think he was a true servant to the club and I would love to have him back in some sort of coaching capacity if if and when he wants to I think his leadership skills over that period of us being promoted and survival were key and you know, without him, we wouldn't have. I don't think been promoted or um, 
or survived. And he bought me a Costa coffee once uh, in Costa Beckenham. Did so he? What did he get you? So uh, he got me a, a mocha. It was a special occasion. I was kind of like, I was with my manager at the time of work and I, he was like, don't go and speak to him. That's really sad. Don't do it. Don't do it. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I went and said, and it was at the time just before, um, I think, was, I don't know if he joined permanently to begin with or he only joined like a, trial, uh, a very short yeah. contract to the end of the um, it was a trial and I said are you going to stay and there was rumours of him going to America and he said he was definitely going to stay and then I said that's excellent news you couldn't be better and then he said I'll buy you a drink and he bought me a Costa so special one of the special moments of my life I think actually more so than my wedding day which is really but, um, let's no, hope your wife does not listen to this was it a small a medium or a large it was a medium a medium uh, and, and I've still got I, I've still got the memory oh, you say you still got a cut that'd be, that'd be wrong. I was tempted, I was tempted. <laughs> but um, no, it was a it was such a sad loss for us. That yeah, season. and I mean, there's no point reiterating all the stuff about you know his fantastic career with us. But he was he was and a player who played above his level uh, for you know a number of years, and you know t- time and age and you know caught up with him in terms of the speed of the league relative to you know his abilities. But he made the use of those abilities, and above all, it, you know the leadership and the character always shone through even at moments you know because there, there were some tense moments at times during his time with the club but he outstayed so many other players who you know were hugely important and you know his time with us will be remembered you know for that leadership role that he played so we, and I think we're still lacking that now to be honest I mean you know Luke is great and Mamadi Sacco is great but we don't have um, characters who embody that spirit in quite the same way now. I'm just going to say one thing about him. Uh, I remember hearing a story where he was asked whether Glenn Murray was a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person. And he just said, with Glenn, there isn't even a fucking cup. <laughs> so, uh, fair enough. Uh, I think, yeah, what a legend. What an absolute legend. Uh, and let's just quickly uh, go over the others, the other outers as well. Um, Johnny Williams. Very sad, very sad. Um, gone to a small club somewhere in League One. Um, Sully Kai Kai, uh, after, uh, you know, he tried, he tried his best to get into the sides, in and out, subs, bench, cups, that kind of thing. Ended up going abroad. Um, Punchin was let go in January to Huddersfield, although um, did score his first goal since the FA Cup, I think, against Corinthian Casuals for our under-23s um, at the start of the 1920 season. So, um, might not have heard the last of him yet. Uh, Sacco left again, um, and that is about it, I think. Uh, let's yeah, let's go on with the season, shall we, uh, before we dwell on this too long. Um, and this is one of those seasons where the first game of the season is well worth talking about. Um, I really hate playing uh, promoted teams first day of the season because there's some really freakish results that come out, but also the adrenaline running from the championship sides that have come up. Um, they're always they're always a big problem. Think about the Huddersfield 3-0 game um, that was covered uh, the other week. Uh, pretty harrowing. But we dodged a big bullet cleared the hurdle and all those kind of rubbish sayings, uh, beating Fulham 2-0 uh, with an absolutely amazing Zaha goal uh, to top it off in the second half. Uh, it was an interesting game because Fulham, they they played exactly as, as they had in the championship. Um, forward press, that kind of thing. 
um, and at times looked as though they were the dominant sides, and we just caught them sucker punch once and then twice, either half. Um, and it's exactly the kind of performance that I love from Palace. It just showed, didn't it, the difference between, I don't, I'm going to use the phrase, an established Premier League club and a newly promoted one, because as you say, they, they weren't bad. They were not a bad side at all. But, you know, we, we were comfortably the more professional side in that on the occasions when we had had chances in that game, we took them. Um, and they made, I mean, I, I think there was a pretty desperate uh, defensive error as well. Um, plus, I, I seem to remember Sacco making an amazing tackle during that game as well. Um, you know, that's just... Was it was it Ryan Sessignon that... that... Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, It was, yeah, I mean, it was a memorable game for a lot of reasons, uh, but mainly for us getting off to a good start to a season for once, uh, which didn't continue, sadly. Yeah, it it, it didn't, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, I wonder how many times we've said spoiler alert across this season. (laughs) It's got to be a lot, hasn't it? Um, Yeah, I I think the, the thing that I really enjoyed about that was that, it felt like it was the end of the uh, De Boer and you know other managers trying to get us to play this expansive football. Counter-attacking football is what gets me sexually excited about Palace. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see twenty percent possession, Palace one nil, Palace two nil, um, and that was just that kind of game. Let Fulham have the ball. Don't stress about it. And what I found this this season, the eighteen nineteen season, was um, our defenders weren't. It was it, they were they weren't scared to keep the ball, but at the same time, they didn't just necessarily pass it around themselves um, in a bid to cause themselves trouble. They kept the ball, but they also played it forward. And there was times when we still had the same problem playing side to side, but um, we played some great attacking football this season. Uh, it didn't always come off, but that was one of those games. Counter-attack football, less than half a percent possession, uh, less than 50% possession and just winning the game. And those kind of games I really enjoy. Um, But as Chris has said, uh, it wasn't something that lasted uh, and we went on a fairly poor run, losing the next three. Um, Liverpool game at home wasn't a very nice curtain raiser. I I think that was uh, a Selhurst under lights kind of an evening, wasn't it? I think it was a Monday night game. It was. Or am I wrong about that? Yeah. Um, and we didn't have a lot to shout about. I think also, if, if I'm correct, it was it was the first game where we didn't have the HF singing and making all the noise because of the... If I'm right about the it, challenges... You're, you're, you're it, absolutely uh, right. Tech. And it was um, it was also the game where um, we heard the, the, Tony, the Tommy Robinson chants and the, um, the various homophobic yeah. chants and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I'd blocked that out of my memory, but that, that was that was a hard evening. It was, and it was the start for me of a very um, unhappy Sellers Park and a very unhappy fan base and a divided fan base for a good few weeks. So, uh, and in months even. So, I think uh, lots to be unhappy about. And I think that day was. I'm not sure that one was that when Aaron Lambertsaka got sent off for the sliding tackle on Salah, where he had no real choice um, at the uh, towards the end of the game as well. So, not 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 the, the professional uh, not foul. The, um, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the, not, not the greatest of evenings all round, but um, I think when you play Liverpool, to be fair, you can't expect to win win every game, even though we have got a good result. A good no, you're right. There, there was past, a but, there was parts yeah. of that that were, that were quite toxic, um, and I'd uh, I'd moved 
from the half awake because I was just sick. I was just sick of missing the start of the second half to go to the toilet. Um, you know, f- fairly weak bladder for a, for a tall man. Um, I was like, it's time. I'm moving. Um, and there was there was some there was some bad chanting. I've got to say, and and boy, so I think we went about seven games before they before they came back. Was it Burnley that they came back eventually? The HF. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, so yeah, bad night. Um, and we went two more games. Uh, Watford's first of three victories against us in the season. Um, and then Southampton 2-0 at home, which was absolutely fucking dire. Um, tell me about those two. Tell me about your harrowing memories of those two. I, I, I just, yeah, they were awful. Absolutely awful. And this, uh, I, I think that half of the season was dominated by, um, and maybe an unfair criticism of Hodgson, but for me it was by lack of flexibility, lack of a willingness to change uh, systems early, rigidity in terms of loyalty to certain players. And and I think we were just out of Fox. I mean, Southampton, we, we seem to have an awful um, home record against them, not so bad away record, but an awful home record against them in the last few seasons. So maybe that's just a continuation of that. But the Watford game, the 2-1, all of them being 2-1, for me, it was just lack of flexibility. And then the Bournemouth away game was also the case where Eddie Howe and, and, and others just outfoxed us towards the end of the end of the game. And, and I think that first half of the season was dominated by that for me. I think the inflexibility thing is absolutely right. I mean, just starting with, with the Southampton game, the that actually was nil nil um, at half time, and you know the the issue, of course, is that um, you know after Ings scored after half time, um, you know that as always it was the lack of um, will to change the game, the unwillingness to make substitutions, um, and lo and behold, you know they they got a sucker punch at the end of the game to make it two nil. Um, thinking back to the Watford one. Um, my um, highlight, or rather low light, for that game uh, was the outrageous tackle by Etienne Capou. I mean, to even call it a tackle on Zaha really early on in the game, um, you know, yeah. it, that was that was an assault. Yeah, and it, it was so early in the game that off. he didn't get sent off, and the excuse was that it was too early in the game. Uh, and then yeah. the rest of the season, more more stuff from Watford fans about um, about him diving, and I really hope we get some points off them soon because it's been too long. Absolutely. But, I mean, interestingly, the, the Zaha diving thing may come up uh, when we move on to whatever the next game is. No, no problem. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the uh, the Huddersfield Town game. Um, so, this was my, I, I, from a personal perspective, this was my first trip in uh, in Hambo's rather fine car. Um, 
and he he knows how to get down a motorway quickly. He's he's a fine driver. Um, so me, him, and uh, Dr went together up to Huddersfield away, um, and we had a few. Be- and you met me yeah, as well. I was gonna say we had. No, I came back and we did podcast. Yeah. Um, You'd had a few beverages. We had a few more, and then we did a podcast yeah. together, um, which made no coherent sense because both myself and Chris were absolutely hammered. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was a very interesting game. We were absolutely dominated by Huddersfield, um, and they they played they played well. Their their fans were right behind them. They they, they smelt like a, they smelt blood that day, um, but they they got they got under Wolf's skin. And you probably all remember it. I think it was probably the first the first game in the yellow strip. Um, that nice yellow third kit we had uh, that I don't own because um, I waited too long and never bought one and they're all gone. Um, but they never made a profit one as well, which, so they, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, but yeah, he scored an absolute stunner running down the left, um, curling one in, far post. Uh, it was a 1-0 win, a thoroughly undeserved one, but one of the high points of the season. It was It was sweet. Because they, the Huddersfield fans, as you said, they got under his skin, under Wilf's skin, but he'd got under theirs as well. And they were giving him absolute hell. And you could see, you could see it going on in his head of, okay, if you're going to give me abuse, I'm going to score a goal against you. And, you know, it was, we've seen it so many times, the way that he interacts. And I don't think he cupped his ears at that one, but you know it would have been um, totally appropriate for him to do it because they they were giving him dogs abuse and yeah it was a, just a lovely moment and a great goal as well. Yeah, definitely one of the goals of the season. Eclipsed by one we'll get onto later. I think you probably know which. Um, but that unfortunately was a bit of a full storm because we went um, over two months without another win. Um, we got a nil nil at home to Newcastle. Um, the next week, which um, we were we were poor in, we were, we were really poor, um, and then it was even worse at home the next game uh, against Wolves. Um, between those, Bournemouth away, I think that was a Monday night as well. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was cold. I remember that, um, and and then Everton two nil uh, away. So we did we ended up getting one point from the next four games. After that. Um, a, a freakishly good game. Um, Palace two, Arsenal two. Um, I, probably one of the most entertaining games that Palace were involved in that season. Um, and perhaps, probably a little biased, but we were slightly unlucky to end up with, with a two-all draw there. Um, but our record against Arsenal is never good. So, uh, but that was the start of a run against some uh, against some really big, big teams difficult games so we had chelsea spurs and united after that um and i don't think any of us were expecting to get too much from those four games so to get a point from arsenal that we then lost 3-1 away to chelsea and it was a comprehensive loss um and then another 1-0 defeat to tottenham um 1-0 defeats against tottenham seemed to they just they always happen. Um, we, yeah. we, we, it's about two per year, isn't it? it is, it's roughly two per year. Uh, we, we we did get a bit of revenge later in the season, the FA Cup, but um, those games, you can just guarantee 86-minute uh, Son or Kane will score. So that was another very frustrating afternoon uh, at Selhurst. Um, then a very interesting game, um, probably for the wrong reasons, uh, away at United. 
it was a nil-nil draw and the focus was totally not on Palace, um, despite the fact that we'd we'd only won two games by that point. We're talking late November. Um, most of the time, the focus would be on the, the, the team that's only won two games in the first three months of the, of the season. Uh, but this was the Mourinho period where he was falling apart and everyone was on his back. So a nil-nil draw at home against Palace um, was another nail in his coffin. Um, so before we get to the next win, uh, which was, as I say, over two months after the Huddersfield game, um, let's talk about the memories of that fairly fallow period. Um, you don't... I think the first memory I've got is that the Arsenal game really proved to a lot of us that it doesn't matter what happens, you're never going to be able to stop people sh- you know, shouting rubbish. So so basically Zaha was fouled for the penalty in the, in the second half, which brought us level. I think it brought us level or maybe it turned it 2-1. Um, but either way, the, the, the offending Arsenal player actually went out to the media and said, I fouled him. So it wasn't a dive. Yes, about him. absolutely. And, I've forgotten that. Yeah, well remembered. And it didn't even stop the racist vitriol and other things that um, Zaha actually commented on on Twitter. And you made you think, actually, at that point, what can you do? Because even if your own team was saying, yeah, you know what, we actually did foul him and that doesn't stop the abuse, then nothing else will. And that was also the handball game. So it was the game where I think it was a, the, their first uh, goal. I think which should have never counted because it was a blatant handball. Yeah, that, uh, I mean that, that's that's the thing. It felt like a, it should have been a two-one win. Um, Russell were yeah. lucky. I mean, they, there was times where um, they probably could have scored another one. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right about that about the uh, the racist abuse afterwards. I'd totally forgotten that, <clears throat> and I think it underlines the fact that there are some Arsenal fans who can be total cocks. I completely agree with you there, definitely. And, and in the Man United game, I think if we'd have had Batshuayi in that game and it would have been a bit later, we dominated that game, I think we would have won. I think you know, we had so many chances we just couldn't put away. And I think if you'd have had Batshuayi in the box that game, I think we definitely would have won that game. So we were unlucky there. But uh, no, very good point up at Old Trafford. So as you said, um, very frustrating fellow period. Um, I mean, it starts with... I suppose the nil-nil draw against Newcastle, but I mean the, the one that was a real kick in the teeth was uh, that Monday night game against Bournemouth, uh, where you know until very late on um, we're we're in a strong position, and then uh, Mamadou Saka has a moment of madness, um, gives away a penalty in the 87th minute. So you know, I mean that that there's no accounting for that kind of you know luck and madness, but actually things like that continued to happen to us. So. Everton away, we put in a fairly solid um, performance that I think merited a point, um, and they got two goals in the last three minutes, which you know begins to make you wonder. You know, are there fitness issues with the team? That was the the kind of question that was starting to come up. Why are we, you know, making these lapses? You know, lapses of concentration or you know being outpaced at that last that late period in the game. You've mentioned the Arsenal game. Um, Chelsea, remember getting um, an, a pretty decent equaliser from Townsend when we were in that away game, but then you know got overpowered by them. These things happen, don't they, when you're playing bigger teams? Um, so yeah, I mean it was it was just a, a series of really frustrating results. But you know, I mean at that stage you're starting to think, is this a slide? I mean the the inflexibility question is definitely coming up. By that stage, people are starting to say, oh, are you going to make subs at yeah. any time other than 75 minutes? I was just going to say, when you're talking about the, the late Everton goals, um, you're, to- you're talking about a squad that, you're talking about 12, 13 players playing all of these games. And we'll go over the cup games later, but 
there's been a, by this point there's been a lot of games um and no one's brought off after 60 minutes um because they're a bit knackered you know that the, the the players that he trusted um that really did this did a shift um and that was one of the criticisms of Hodgson at the time uh, and I know Sai wanted to uh wax lyrical about this and remind everyone that we were taking the piss out of him for never making any subs yeah, we definitely were. And the, the, the grimace of those nights was up at Wolves away. It was just after New Year's Day and, and it was freezing cold. I was in the literally the last row at the back. So I was in the gods over at Monolia. It, it was it was such a great game. And we were singing Hodgson make a sub for about 20 minutes long. And then and then we wanted IU off who went, went and scored, which was a bit ironic. But yeah, it, it was it was terrible. And, and and I don't know why. He either didn't have faith in his, in his bench or he was just... Um, I think it was your theory, wasn't it, Mike, that he would only make substitutes when he got to his age? But it was <laughs> yeah. just, I, yeah. No yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing is, I, I, I remember the chant from a few games of, of bring Max Meyer on. Um, I think uh, partly because he was such an unknown quantity that having an unknown choice rather than the ones we had w- was what people wanted. You know, people are fickle, et cetera, et cetera. But. Just to quickly come in on the wider social issues as well. I mean, we talked about the fact that um, Zaha got that racist abuse. You mentioned earlier on, Mike, the fact there'd been people singing homophobic things and Tommy Robinson type stuff um, at a home game a while before that. Um, in response to that, and a number of us uh, at the Spurs, the home game against Spurs, uh, stood outside in pelting rain, leafleting. Um, with a kind of, you know, these two colours unite us all, um, hope not hate type message, which, you know, was really positive and mostly we got we got a decent response to that. I remember being asked by Nick of this parish to do that and I said that I was meeting Terence in the victory for some beers. <laughs> um, so you stood in the rain um, while I was with uh, Terence and his mates um, having having a few beverages. Um, to be so fair, I, I did thought... have a skin full at the victory oh, first. Okay, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, all good, you can do all both. Good. Uh, well, yeah, I certainly didn't do that though. Um, let, let, let's get on to um, the first win since Huddersfield. So we're now talking December. Um, and it was a 2-0 win at home against Burnley. And it felt like a bit of a sea change. Um, and I don't know how many people remember that game that clearly. Um, but it sticks in my mind for two things. One, an absolute pelter of a goal from Townsend yes. after we missed about 50, 50 much simpler chances. He came up with one of his belters from outside the box. Uh, and two, the memes afterwards where it just showed um, where all our shots came from and then Burnley's shots. So there was, you had an 18-yard box with just tons and tons of random arrows pointing left and right and, you know, over the goal, both sides of the goal, and then Burnley's side one single shot that trickled into the keeper. We absolutely flayed them. Um, and for a long time, um, they were still in the game just because we couldn't put the ball away. And this was this pretty much summed up the first half of the season. We're talking pre-batch why. Um, we've got Benteke that is having a, a, a torrid time. Um, Serlot, you know, on his on his way out to Ghent. Um, IE had played up front a little bit. Uh, but really, we were, we were lacking a striker, and this game just just absolutely proved that. And it, it needed um, our, our usual geniuses to uh, to get us out of trouble and get us the three points. 
Yeah, definitely. It just felt for it just felt like we were never going to score, didn't it? That second goal, and and it just thought, oh no, you, you just you just knew Burnley were going to were going to equalise and then probably go on to win it. The amount of chances we missed, but that Townsend strike was absolutely brilliant, and not the first one and the only one as we know he did that season. So yeah, it was a great result, and it did feel like a bit of a sea change. You, you felt that we were we were going to start to actually um, pick up some wins, and and especially at home because home had been such a barren place for a lot of Palace fans, especially the rest of the season. But at that point, it felt we were positively moving in the well, right direction. Well, I mean, we say that, but let's uh, let's fast forward to uh, a mere three days later. Um, and let's discuss the fact that before <laughs> before things turned around, um, things got a whole lot worse. Uh, and a certain team from down, down the south coast um, bent us over and absolutely dicked all over us. Uh, Chris, I believe you were at the game. You were at the Amex that day, were you? Yeah, I was. Talk us through the emotion of one of the most soul-destroying games of recent times. Oh, I mean, it was just an infuriatingly gutless performance. And, I mean, that's that's the best summary that I can give. I mean, um, the... I mean, especially, so obviously, first of all, you know, it, it was always going to happen. You had um, Glenn Murray slotting in a penalty um, against us. You know, I mean, you, you can come back from that. That's that's a start. That's fine. Then Duffy manages to get himself sent off. Um, and at that stage, you know, for a pretty stupid offence as well, as I recall, I can't remember exactly what it was he did, but was it second booking maybe? Um, I just remember it was absolutely stupid. And at that stage, we were still loving life and thinking, well, maybe things are going to get better. But no, three minutes later, um, it's 2-0. And at that stage, there's a lot of anger, lots of shouting um, at Hodgson to change things up, which, of course, doesn't generally tend to happen in good time. Um, And then by the time that uh, the third goal went in, 45 uh, minutes plus stoppage time, um, I'm downstairs having a pint of Harvey's by then to um, get myself set up for the second half and supporting the team. I very, very rarely leave games early, but I actually did leave this game early, so I I missed the Milivojevic penalty that um, didn't get back into it. But yeah, I mean, no. it was a long journey back, and I didn't want to be mixing with lots of gloating um, fans of the other team. But yeah, it was one of the most soul-destroying evenings. And actually, there was also an, again another bit of the um, political stuff, unfortunately, because um, Terence's uh, sister got involved in a big discussion with uh, someone who was being quite homophobic on allegedly on our club's behalf against Brighton. Um, and she was giving him a right ticking off, uh, which a number of us joined in with. Well, let's let's hope that they are not listening to this pod um, and that Proud and Palace go and kick their ass. Um, I think you're right. I think it was two yellows. This is one of those games, a bit like the FA Cup, where I've refused to ever watch anything again. Um, the same as the second Brighton game this season. I've never watched another second of it. Um I, I would all I can remember that was we were three 0 down and then it was three one. Um, nothing else. Uh, harrowing, absolutely harrowing. Uh, and it comes back to the debate we've had on here before. Would you rather finish above Brighton or lose to them twice? Um, I think the answer is you'd rather not do either of those things. 
Yes, uh, but it wasn't too long um, before we things started looking up. Uh, one more was West Ham away. Um, it was three two West Ham, uh, and it, uh, I mean that was quite flattering because at no point did it look like that we were going to get a point out of that game. I think we were three one down. I think Schlupp scored um, a second to get us back into it. Um, another day at the <clears throat> soulless tactical stadium. Yeah, uh, but things are about to look up, uh, and it, that that was uh, that was triggered by Guaita's first game uh, between the sticks, starting um, a one-nil win against Leicester, our whipping boys of a side, um, and then possibly the highlight of the season, certainly for Sky Sports because they show the goal all the fucking time. Uh, Manchester City two, Palace three. So. Talk us through your memories of those two games, please, boys. The, Le- the Leicester game was that day when it just absolutely hammered down the whole entire day. The weather was that grim, and then so let's put it in perspective. This, you 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 live around that way, don't you? So I do, I do, and it was the first time. I, it was the first game my daughter ever went to. So Francesca's five, so I took her down. So we drove down to Stanmore and got the tube and went to the game, and she she went home just soaking, just absolutely just drenched, but loved every second of it. And we were right in the corner. We made it onto match of the day, right on the corner celebrating when Lucas slid over after... Uh, How old is she? She's five. So She's got five. an attention span to last the entire game. Oh, five. She loved it. She loved it. She was, she, she's got, she was literally leading the chance around us in the, in, the, in the family stand. Everyone was laughing because she knew every single word to the non-offensive ones I've taught her. So, yeah, so she absolutely loved every second of it. And... Um, and yeah, when Lucas slid over and scored, because it was actually it was a nothing game really. It was a really, uh, really bad game. Apart from apart from the goal, absolutely amazing Luca goal. Absolutely, that's an amazing Luca goal, and that amazing save Guaita did where he tipped it onto the post um, towards the end from Jamie Vardy. Yes, so, yes, uh, well, yeah, well remembered. Um, so it was one on one, wasn't it? And he he literally tips it. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Classic safe, and then um, and then the next game. Well, I don't even know. We start with that absolutely amazing. And Max started that game, didn't he, against Man City? An absolutely amazing result. And I will never forget that game. That that, that goal from Townsend was just amazing. As was the goal from Schlupp, but obviously slips. You know, another goal from Townsend. Um, but we put our chances away there. You know, after by this point we had the reputation as a side that made a load of chances and put nothing away. Um, and then go to Man City. Like four shots, I think. Five, maybe five shots and three goals. Um, and that's that's the kind of turnaround you want. Absolutely, yeah, you are right. We, we were de- we, we were devastatingly um, accurate about finishing that that game, and we just even when we went down, I didn't have that had that strange feeling that we weren't going to lose. We were in the game, and, and as I said, I, I think we just took our chances and. And Townsend, I mean, I could just watch that over and over and over again, just the, just the way he... And how... Did, I'm not, I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to calm myself down. But how did that not win match of the day, goal of the year? I, I do not know. Um, I mean, they they say it's not goal of the season, but while we've been discussing this, um, I've had Sky Sports on in the background on mute, and they've, they've shown that goal as um, the trailer for the new season. So, clearly, it must, it must be... It must. It should have won. Um, and it's. Oh, let's not get into big club bias. Um, Chris, what, carry on. Yeah. Um, well, so I was just going to jump in and say I've been to um, the Etihad on a number of occasions. I've seen us lose five nil there on two occasions. Um, 
I decided this year because of the proximity to Christmas, I'd give this one a miss. And, <laughs> of course, all my mates were there. Um, I was actually Christmas shopping in the club shop when I heard one that first that we'd gone uh, behind, and then the Schlupp goal, and then the Townsend goal. And so, so you were actually at Selhurst. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I mean, I had it on the second best place to be, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I was dancing around the club shop and the staff were looking at me like I was weird because they weren't listening to the game. I couldn't understand it. They didn't have it on. Well, I mean, people need to earn money, I suppose. It's, yeah. yeah, solely, not necessarily Palace fans. True. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, what, what a game. We don't need to say any more about it. You all know exactly what happened. Um, but it left us 14th at Christmas. Um, and I would say... The fears were still there because we didn't have a striker at that point, um, but they were alleviated a little bit because we'd just picked up six points, which it, it, for a season when we, there were some weak teams in the Premier League, six points you know, for Huddersfield was about five months' work. So, um, you know, that, that, that was really decent. Um, unfortunately, uh, after that, one of our rivals going down, um, we managed to draw nil-nil at home uh, against Cardiff, Warnock's Cardiff. Um, I'm not going to do an impression of him. I wish I could do an impression of him. But after the game, he's like, oh, great day out, great day out. Should have won. You know, that kind of stuff. Usual usual Warnock crap. Um, and then then we lost 1-0 at home to Chelsea, which wasn't that surprising. But because the issues were so close to the surface, um, by that point, people were thinking, that's it, we're, we're going back down. Um, so then... We uh, we turned it round 2nd of January um, with an amazing 2-0 win against Wolves. Uh, and and this was this was one of the real important games of the season. Um, and for a long period, it, it didn't look like we were going to get anything out of that game or, or certainly not more more than a point. Sorry, I'm guessing you were there that day. I was. I was there. And I, I don't know if I'm rewriting history, but, but when... when... I remember my, my reflection of that game is that we were dire for eighty minutes. We were absolutely awful, and uh, but then we, we were we were we were absolutely terrible for the first eighty odd minutes yeah. of the game. Uh, and 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 so so also, and and it was one of those games where apart from the and Chris, do you remember the amazing light show, light show and 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 sort of oh, yeah. it was absolute quality. And I remember thinking we're going to get battered here. But um, no, I think I was so glad to be there to see Ayu's goal, and everyone was sort of singing, "We were there, we were there when it happened," sort of thing. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was an awful game, but a, a really good two, good good set of three points for us because that was that was a that was a big game in, in the context of the season, and, and that did start a good run for us. So yeah, we were absolutely awful, but it was great to great to get the uh, the three points and see Ayu score his first goal. Yeah, the key takeaway from that being, you know, it was an awful performance, but you know, points are are the you know the key objective of you know the this sport that we love, you know, in all its pain <laughs> and joy, you know. So in in this case, you know, we we weren't very good, um, and we were really as as you said earlier on, so we were really letting out our um, frustrations at that game. There was all that singing about you know make a sub, and you know. Despite, I mean, basically, he was vindicated on that occasion, wasn't he? Because um, you know he got the result. It it wasn't a, wasn't pretty, but you know that and that kick started us, and that that's you know that's that's the key to this season. I'd, I'd say is that result. I mean, Gaze has been a manager for 
longer than we've been alive, so he probably knows his stuff in fairness. Um, and sometimes we all need to step back and, and think about that. Um, yeah, I, I, it did feel like it did feel like a catalyst, despite the fact that we're going to go over the fact that uh, it wasn't it wasn't followed up with a win. Um, but it's the smash and grab, like I said earlier, when you're playing poorly and then you just smash and grab counter-attacking football and I think James McCarver from what I remember James McCarver had a whole lot to do with that that to me is more satisfying and I know that um, Hambo was talking a couple of episodes ago about late winners being the, the, the real bread and butter for him but smashing grabs for me absolutely amazing um, and that was that was certainly one of the highlights of the season followed by one of the lowlights of the season losing at home to Watford um, the second the second time we lost to Watford not the most painful um, but we were absolutely shit. Um, and two one defeat, uh, fairly depressing. Followed by a, a four three defeat to Liverpool. I mean, four four three was fairly flattering for us um, that game. Although there was an amazing team goal finished by uh, Townsend, I think, um, right the way at the pitch, ninety yard goal. Um, that's the only thing that sticks in my memory from that. But you know, Liverpool were on fire that season. Um, and then a one-all draw away at Southampton. So um, another fairly quiet period for points. January, we only picked up four points from those four games, which, I, you know, is probably lower than what we were hoping for. Um, I'd imagine we'd be looking for um, at least five, if not nine from those four games. Um, so, yeah, uh, tough January. Um, and we'll go on to how Batchwire changed that in a second. But in the meantime, we do need to look at the, again, the awful experience of that Southampton game um, in particular. Um, very frustrating uh, performance, um, but specifically um, the lack of protection that Wilf got in that game, leading to his sarcastic applause to the referee and his own getting sent off, uh, which was... So when you say lack of protection, I, I blamed Milivojevic to an extent for that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I take your point, um, but I, I, I just think that referees, you know, ought to be able to see what's going on in front of them, and you know, when a player is being targeted and wound up in the way, yeah, you know, and deliberately hurt in the way that Wilf so often is, um, it's not just his attitude; it's the quality. That's why he catch he outwits people, and that's why these things happen. Although, obviously, the temperament's an issue too. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um... So at this point, we're coming towards the end of the window and we got Batshuayi in. So I'm going to hit DR Kernaz of this very parish uh, with a few drive-bys for the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, he, he, the reason I wanted to pull out his tweets um, was he, he'd lost his patience with Hodgson uh, by the January transfer window. Uh, and he seemed to have lost his patience with uh, Palace. And he suddenly... I mean, he's always been a big basketball fan, but he's, he, he, he lost himself in basketball and, and football seemed for a, for a short period to be his second love. Um, but his words on Twitter um, about the possible choice of getting Batshuayi in, he only scored eight goals for Chelsea and has struggled at Valencia this season. Um, I mean, at, by that point, he'd scored, I, I think that in that 2-1 win against Atletico Madrid, he seemed absolutely amazing. And bearing in mind, um, we had no. We, we were talking about Sirlot and a very off form Ben Teke. 
Um, and he also wanted Hodgson out. Um, so in January, this just towards the end of the transfer window, he pointed out, if I was Paris, I would look for a replacement from now. I wouldn't be surprised if he, Hodgson, decides to leave or retire in the summer. Uh, I mean, at the time of recording, he hasn't. Um, we'll get on to some slightly more vitriolic stuff uh, about Hodgson from DR in a minute. Um, but we got Batshuayi in and he he definitely changed the fortunes of the club because after those games, we only went on to lose four more games um, and we did incredibly well. So let's start off with uh, doing the double over Fulham at home um, and then getting a point against West Ham at home and then an absolutely incredible 4-1 win away at Leicester, ensuring that we did the double over them. So within the, within February, we've done the double over two sides, um, which is a hard thing to do in the Premier League. So let's talk about the memories from those three games. So my memory from the Leicester one was this is the only Leicester. So I've been to every single Leicester Palace game, home and away, since 2006. I went to university here and, and eventually lived up here. And this was the only one I've missed. And I've sat through some horrific, awful results in the championship. Against can, I, can I just ask why you stay? Leicester's a fucking shithole. Like, <laughs> what, what has made you stay up there? I know, I know. It's Mrs. Pizzy. I, I lost the battle there. We, we, I, I lost it. It was just uh, for a quiet life, I thought I went for in the end. It's raining so, for about 300 days a year. I know. Oh, I know. Okay, I'm sorry. Carry on, carry on. So, so that was the only one I've missed. I was on holiday. So I was watching it on my phone um, on the way back from uh, on the Eurostar out from Paris. And I remember just watching that. And every time it cut out, we, we seemed to have scored again. But Batshuayi changed that. And, and it, for, for me, that, that game symbolised having him and others in the team. It, he just, having someone in the box who who doesn't, you know, who just knows their job and, and does their job and is there in the right time and the right place to prod home. No, no, no dramatically great goals. I mean, one of them. The Leicester game, to be fair, was the one where he scored quite far out and it was sort of questionable whether or not he meant it but um but yeah you know it, it get a great a, a great signing for us and I, ca- I can't believe people's skepticism at the beginning because he, he's a he's a, a international an international for france and he's a top quality striker coming to palace so i was really excited and he definitely paid off and worth saying i mean the fulham result you know again was just just another example of a professional job by a better team um you know i mean we weren't flash but we looked noticeably better than they were. And, you know, I mean, obviously the, the scoreline flatters um, to deceive to an extent because the first goal was a penalty and the second one went in in the 87th minute when they were pushing to catch up. But then, you know, that that's the kind of win you like, isn't it, Mike? Well, exactly. Um, and I kind of also appreciate what came up next um, because between the end of February um, and the end of April, we went on a absolutely crazy run where we won, lost, won, lost, won, lost, won, lost, won. So five wins and four defeats. Um, I mean, you can't ask for more of a... People talk about the Palace roller coaster. It doesn't come any more of a roller coaster than that. Let's just go through those. Starting with the Leicester win, we then lost 3-1 at home to Manchester United. Um, by that point, you know, they had Solskjaer in. They won that incredible, whatever it was, 12 wins in a row roll. Um, can't be helped. An incredible 3-1 win uh, away at Burnley. Then we'll come to what's probably the most depressing result of the season, a 2-1 defeat um, at home to Brighton. We'll come to that in a minute. 
2-0 home win against Huddersfield. By that point, Huddersfield had lost the plot totally. Um, Spurs 2-0, Palace. Um, that was that was a tough one to take because it wasn't 1-0. It was actually 2-0. So we'd obviously got worse against Spurs. Um, then a 1-0 away to Newcastle. Um, it's a big three points. Um, 3-1 a, a home defeat to Man City. And then finishing with one, probably the other game of the season after the Man City game, uh, beating Arsenal 3-2 away. So those games, freakish results. But if you're going to deal in, in wins, it doesn't matter if you lose some because, you know, you're talking about 15 points from those five wins. Uh, other than the other than the Brighton game, which hurt a lot, um, this, this was the point where we just made sure that there's no way we were going down. And by the end of the Arsenal game, we all knew. I, I know it took until a few days later, but we all knew we weren't going down by that point. Um, so yeah, a, a real up and down periods. Not good for the heart, but um, typical Palace, really, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the typical. I had a ticket to go to that Arsenal game, and I thought, well, you know what? I felt guilty. It's Easter Day. I better stay with the family, and so I gave it up. And then it's the only time we go and actually win at the Emirates. But yeah, definitely, definitely typical, uh, typical Palace roller coaster there. But I know you want to dwell on the most depressing one of those uh, those results, which was the uh, the Brighton game, which was very. I mean, I don't, I don't want to dwell on it. Um, as I say, I've never watched the highlights back. Occasionally, I've been sitting near a TV when they've shown that that knock heart goal. Um, that was that was a painful afternoon. Um, we were we were poor. I mean, we don't need to dwell on that because we've got 15 points from the bit I've just I've just stated. But um, that's just the way the mind works, I suppose, isn't it? Well, it's worth just to rub the misery in a little bit further. I mean, it was my birthday as well. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd absolutely baked in uh, to my birthday celebrations that we were going to uh, be enjoying a win as well. Um, and instead, yeah, it was a very much a, an evening of drowning the sorrows uh, down at the Pawson's Arms that night. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in offline i think to a certain extent it's probably best that we don't broadcast too much about that on a on a more upbeat note you know i think all, with the exception of the arsenal game all of those results you know are us losing to teams you'd expect to lose to um but beating the teams we needed to beat you know um so we beat burnley we beat huddersfield we beat newcastle um a fair number of milivojevic penalties in that as well um and then you come to the Arsenal performance, which was just a magic day. Yeah, you, you, you're quite right to point out that, that those were teams we should have been beating, um, and it was it was nice to feel that confident that we could we could beat those sides, particularly Newcastle, who were having a bit of resurgence at that point. Um, you know, they'd been in the relegation zone for long periods, so to, to get to get a win against them was 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 pretty special. Um, yeah, I mean. It, <sighs> Other, other than the Brighton game, that all that all seems quite reasonable to me. The, the United game, Spurs, Man City, you'd expect to lose them, like you say. So no, no biggie. And we finished we finished the season on a high, um, a nil nil draw at home against Everton, which I felt at the time we were quite unlucky with. Um, then the game that really mattered, um, and you know there was a point when people were discussing whether we should lose it on purpose 
um, put Brighton down. But by that point, sadly, they got points that they didn't deserve. Um, so it, it felt like we should beat them and we did. So Cardiff lost 3-2 at home to us. Um, and then the absolutely freakish game, 5-3 on the last day of the season against Bournemouth, which is Sparani's last game. So the, the, the season kind of petered out, really, um, but petered out in a good way. Um, so let's talk about your memories of those and, and a little bit about how sad you were for Sparani's very last game. Well, let's start with Cardiff away. Um, I was one of those people who kind of uh, wanted things to work out in such a way that we could put Brighton down through the back door. Um, that would have been great fun. But And, of course, um, having taken the lead um, in the game, uh, Martin Kelly uh, scored that own goal, which which led us to be singing simultaneously the um, slightly sarcastic um you know, we've got Mark Kelly, Martin Kelly, just don't think you understand. Um, but also, after that, we also sang he wants Brighton down. So, great fun in a lot of respects. Um, but ultimately, you know, we were the better side. We looked comfortable throughout that game. Um, and, you know, the, the result looked fairly inevitable. Um, the other th- the other memory I have of that is that, um, one, the, the Cardiff fans were remarkably uh, friendly and positive towards us. Um, you know, even as we were walking back, having ultimately consigned them to relegation, you know, there was no kind of, you know, anti-English or anti-Palace feeling from people as we were walking back, you know, just general friendly football banter. And also their ground is so far out of Cardiff. We were absolutely knackered. I was planning to go out and, you know, carry on celebrating, but in the end, just ended up having to go back to the hotel and go to bed because we were so knackered. <laughs> nice. Um, so let's. So how many teams have we relegated um, since we've been back in the Premier League? This at this point. Um, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Sunderland, Stoke, Stoke, yeah, Hull, yeah, yeah, Hull, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. I mean, I think by that point they already knew they were down, and we sort of put them out of their misery, and they didn't have to carry it on too much longer. So. Saved them a week of of worrying, really. Um, yeah, and and just yeah, a word on the Bournemouth game five three. I mean, you get some crazy results, as I say, the first day of the season. You certainly get some crazy results on the last day of the season. Um, Hodgson typically um, was moaning about conceding three rather than scoring five, which is one of the one of the reasons I love him um, as much as you can love a seventy two year old man. Um, but yeah, Spironi, Spironi going um, bad times. It's, we did a, we did the majority of a whole pod about it back at the time. Um, but the thought now that we don't have him, um, are you, are you, are you gentlemen still sad? Well, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, he's someone who we will miss in terms of you know the influence that he had, even you know after his best days were behind him. Um, but at the same time, I mean. It, while nothing's been announced, I very much get the impression that he's going to continue to be um, part of the furniture at the club. And, you know, whether that's as a coach or an ambassador or any of that other stuff, it, I mean, he feels like he's been a volunteer ambassador while being a player anyway. And I think he'll, you know, he'll live in, in the hearts for a long time, but also I think he'll be here physically. It seems like his kids are settled here. You know, his his family life has been here for so long. I, don't, I think he's just going to be staying around. And I hope he... You know, becomes you know an ongoing uh, part of the next chapter for the club. 
Well, let's see if he can redo the menu at Celeste as well. That would be good. Um, so we'll briefly cover the Cups. Um, we actually had a very fine run in the FA Cup, and the reason I don't want to talk about it is because it hurt. Um, so we beat Grimsby uh, in the third round. In the fourth round, we beat Spurs 2-0, um, and we put... Well, I would say we put to bed. We probably haven't. Um, we'll probably find there'll be another series of 1-0 defeats, but... Um, they put out a second side and we absolutely slaughtered them 2-0. Um, the one thing I particularly remember is I bought my Spurs fan who couldn't get a ticket in the away end yeah. um, up, up near the HF that day. Uh, she hated every minute. Um, and we ended up, I celebrated and she drowned her sorrows in the George for about six hours after the game. Uh, absolutely excellent. Um, so that, that was a fine result. Then we beat Doncaster who were flying high in their league. Um, it was a bit of a banana skin, beat him comfortably. Early goal, made sure that they were out of the picture. And then we lost again before we could get to Wembley for the third time in the season to Watford, which is probably one of the most painful, at least as painful as the Brighton games um, because we were so close to so close to getting to Wembley. Yeah, and a week after the Brighton defeat as well. So it was a double kick in the nuts, that particular result. I mean, again... Just remember coming out of that, and luckily it was it was St Patrick's weekend, so there was still an excuse to um, go and get quietly leathered, which we did. Um, it was the only way of getting over that because a semi final would have been great, and who knows what might have been. But you know, it, it, these things happen, don't they? I know Patrick was particularly hurt by. It. I think he was thinking about flying back over for for a Wimbledon sem, uh, Wimbledon Wembley uh, semi. Um, and yeah, we, we were gutted, but by that point we knew we were safe and that, that took the edge off it. Um, League Cup, so we made it through three games, ended up going out 1-0 to Middlesbrough. Um, familiar foe, familiar ex-manager. Um, the one thing I particularly remember about that is that the one member of Back of the Nest that went up to see it was Terence. Uh, took two days off work, saw us lose 1-0. Uh, painful stuff, painful stuff. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the end of that season. I mean, in terms of our cover in the last 10 seasons, um, probably really one of the less eventful seasons. I know we were all stressed and we were all worried about going down. Um, but really, if you look back at the stats, I think we were probably worrying because of previous seasons. Um, yeah, we were never in that much trouble. Uh, I think we probably we knew halfway through the season we were a couple of players short. It was a shame Batchway only came in on loan. Uh, I think scored nine for the club in the end, if I remember off off offhand. Um, so the second part of the season was was vastly better than the first, showing that we just needed a striker um, and we weren't that far off. Uh, a lot of the time, people were talking about us being ten percent away from being a great side. I think that sums up the season, really, don't you, gents? Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm going to try and be a lot less. Hysterical this season. We were never in the bottom three. This was a Hodgson special. He kept us up. Nothing dramatic, nothing exciting. Those win-loss, win-losses, you know, got enough wins in there. Um, but it was the fans. We, we got fed up, didn't we? We got bored because it wasn't so much a roller coaster at times. So I'm going to try to keep off social media for a bit more after games, let myself calm down and not call for Hodgson's head every other week. Well, that's an interesting point because one thing that we all found when we started doing these pods was that... Um, Twitter started later than we thought. So until about um, the 
probably when we were in the Premier League or maybe even after that, uh, that's when we started getting the vitriolic comments, you know. Um, and I think I'm as guilty as anyone of looking at short-termism and, and being annoyed for a shorter period than I used to be. Um, and perhaps it is something we need to look at. Um, I don't know if we need to get philosophical or political at the end of the pod, um, if we haven't bored anyone to death and they're still listening. But, um, you know, you, you look at things and you think we need a sign in, we need a sign in now. Um, and I'm not sure it's true. Uh, we've been fine for six seasons now. We were certainly absolutely fine for this season. Um, it, it just, we should be a bit more philosophical, I think, perhaps. I think the other thing, though, is that we, we do also need to make sure that we've got strength on the bench and we've got the flexibility to make changes. I mean, one of the reasons I think that Hodgson uh, has been reluctant to substitute is not simply stubbornness, but not viewing the options that he's got beyond his first eleven as being people that, you know, he wishes to bring in. You know, I mean, actually... Yeah, there's an argument about fitness that means that, you know, after a certain number of minutes, you do need to make a change. And we've seen this, you know, it's been a recurrent theme in this pod that, you know, we've ended up losing games where we've been competitive up to about 60 odd minutes. And that's been off the back of inventive substitutes by other managers. But, you know, the the reality is that unless he's got people on the bench who he can bring on to make a make a change, then, you know, probably a substitution isn't the right thing to do. So you've then got to look at whether you need to sign anyone, what positions you need to sign them in. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's I think that's that's the challenge that we've had up to now, isn't it? Is identifying the right people, the people who can make that difference. In this in the season that we're reviewing now, it was Batshuayi. Who it will be in future seasons, who can say? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I just counter that like um, as devil's advocate by saying that when we have had the right 11 men on the pitch, we've almost by exception won the game um, which shows we're not too far off so I'm just going to end with one more DR tweet um, I thought I'd rather use DR tweets this week than, than ask people to give their memories because it was so recent um, this was one particular day where he decided he wanted Hodgson out and he decided who he wanted in instead um, I think Wagner is a realistic option uh, so David Wagner of Huddersfield. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you can make your own mind up about Wagner. Uh, he'll have more funds and better players available than he did at Huddersfield. I personally want Benitez, but that's unlikely as the reports are suggesting he might leave Newcastle due to the lack of signings. So doubt he wants to come to us. Um, so those kind of comments, you look back and you think, oh, we've been fine with Hodgson really, haven't we? Um, at some point in the future we might end up with David Wagner we might end up with Rafa Benitez but right now we've got a man older than my dad and we're fine with that so we'll see what happens next as long as we don't end up with Wagner from the X Factor uh, yeah I mean what's happened to him I'm not really well he's not a football manager is he no, well, no I presume he's still having <laughs> a decent music career um, I'll go on Spotify later Oh, yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always having a blinder. Um, but in the meantime, if you've got to the end of these 10 um, looks back at the last 10 seasons, uh, it's really appreciated. Um, as I say, we, we've done this. We've, we've had to sit back and watch 
hours of YouTube videos and remind ourselves uh, what actually happens. A lot of us enjoy a beer, um, and when you've had a bad game, you end up blocking it out. So we've had to remind ourselves it's taken quite a lot of work and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, um, appreciated you listening. Appreciated to everyone that's been involved in the pods, uh, and we'll see if we're back with a, another similar thing next summer. Until then, enjoy yourselves. Back of the nest, the Palace years. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.